Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to 49 Unbeaten, the official Arsenal Babble podcast. This is episode 10, off the back of Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, Arsenal 1. I'm once again joined by Dan. And we are joined again, we are joined for the first time by Ben. So, hi guys, thank you for coming on. Where do we start? (laughs) I think we just want to talk about the, well, the, the main, obviously, besides the main controversy... Um, literally, I'm like lost for words still after watching the game last night. Um, you can talk about the first 44 minutes of dominance where we played them off the park. They look very poor. And then you, you can talk about the um, the key moment, David Luiz, which normally everyone would be like, get him out of the club, this, that. But this is like down to the referees, in my opinion. And then the second half, just 10 men and then Bern Leno happened. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I mean, you can only really start with, um, I guess, the positives, which is the first 44 minutes. Yeah, the first 46, 46 and a half, it was, it was actually 47. This is what I have, like, the first half of the game, because I'm going to say the David Ruiz thing happened after the first half because the two minutes were played. So the first half was brilliant. We attacked from the start. We looked dangerous. We had a chance inside half a minute, which Saka probably should have scored. And like you said, we played them out of the ground, off the park, every cliche you want. Where did that come from? Considering the sort of sort of neutral battle with Man United, there wasn't really a lot there. It was very even. And we played them, what, three days later? Where, where do you think that sort of like attacking prowess and threat came from, Ben? I think it's just... I think it's a mixture of sort of confidence and Thomas Party coming back. You know, he had a huge role in our midfield and you just saw he played two glorious passes right between their left centre half and their left back. And Saka was in behind, you know, every every time that ball was on. And, you know, I think he lost the ball three times in the first 45 minutes, yeah. which is quite astonishing. You know, one of them was going for a nutmeg pass as well. Um, so Party really took our midfield up another level. And Granit Jack has been brilliant since since the Chelsea game. You know, you have to really applaud his his redemption arc, I suppose. Mm. You know, he's come back before, but this time it felt like the, the red card felt like final. You know, it was the end again. And he's slowly coming back again. He's playing some of his best football at the club. And then with Saka, 
you've always got that ability to cut inside and behind the defenders, which is brilliant. And with Pepe on the left, who's you know having something of an upturn in form himself, he's 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 sort of becoming slowly the player that you wanted to spend seventy-two million pounds on, you know. And it's going to be really difficult for him, especially if he stays on the left with Aubameyang and Martinelli both on that side as well. But at the moment, I think he's probably keeping both of those out justifiably on form. Yeah. And sort of the whole the whole group together with the idea that they haven't lost since, you know, boxing, they haven't lost since before Boxing Day. Um, you know, really, we really started that game as if we were the dominant side, which we should have been. But, you know, going away to Wolves, it's no easy, easy feat. The start of the season, you'd associate Saka as a left winger and Pepe as a right winger, but now yeah. they both switched over those sides. And um, I think Saka first looked good on the right in the Community Shield performance, and then Pepe suddenly on this left hand side look like, looks like a completely different player. So it's great to see both of those players now kind of staking a claim to be in the team. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be tough with Oba and Martinelli coming back. Like who gets those spots? And it's definitely a healthy competition to have. We we started so well and Sack had a chance. He hit the post, probably should have scored. You think you sort of bend it, curl it, rather than toe poke it. But it was encouraging to see us start so positively, especially away from home. And I said in as I said in the preview, against Wolves traditionally it's they're very hard to break down. And like Ben said, we got kept getting in on that right hand side so easily, so often. We probably should have been more than one no up going into half time. Um, it was a special goal from Pepe. You sort of, we've not really expected a lot from him since he signed. He's had a couple of magic moments. The free kicks against Victoria and the Man United games are the only real games I think he stood out, but he had a great game um, last night. Great goal, sort of completely done Smedo. It was very, it was almost disappointing that we were looking to go ahead into half time only at 1 0. Mm. Um, especially given the dominance were you at all just like disappointed with anyone in that first half or does every player deserve the bit of praise because the only one I looked out for even though we were so dominant on that right hand side Hector Bellerin just didn't do it for me yesterday no he's um, Bellerin's been uh, again you can't criticise the guy completely he's come back from a very long injury and he's had his moments but um, he just he doesn't seem to have that kind of well you look at Kieran Tierney and that should be the benchmark in my opinion because he, he's just solid, like always working up and down. Bellerin doesn't get up and down as much. Um, like I'm, I'm not going to go into the guy completely because I don't think he was um, awful last night. But I think um, Cedric was absolutely on toast from Traore. Traore, just the amount of times he just knocked it past him and Cedric tried to get his body in the way. And I'm sorry, but you can't stop Adama Traore if you're Cedric in that position. Um but um, I think Saka is brilliant as he was. He could have scored a hat trick in that first half. Um, probably should have scored at least well the one the one straight away. Again, you can't really go into the guy too much because he's been brilliant for us. Um, First game back as well after a short term injury. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I just think as Arsenal fans, it's so frustrating for us that we lost and we lost in the way we did. But I think. Those things were out of our control. Apart from the Leno one, I guess it happens. It wasn't, we didn't obviously intentionally go and punch the ball. So I just think that we, as a side, we looked, we looked brilliant when we had 11 players on the pitch. And as fans, we just need to make sure that 
not to spare too much, but going into Villa now, we'll have 11 players back. Um, we'll be without Leno. Uh, we'll have one of Ryan or Renarsson. But um, yeah, um, David Luiz will probably come up for Gabriel. So it's not the end of the world in that respect. And hopefully we'll then have a full strength kind of side apart from Leno. So I don't think we, I don't think we need to despair too much. Like, yes, it's disappointing, but we move on and hopefully against Villa, we can pick up three points. It will be tough though. So despite our dominance, we ended up going to half-time at 1-1. And it was in fairly controversial circumstances, <laughs> I think, to put it mildly. Um, I don't know where to start with this. Because I think, first of all, we had the two extra minutes and the ball was in the middle of the park. So he should have blown for half-time. First of all, I think, <laughs> I need to say that. Um, I think Craig Pawson got it wrong and he allowed an extra 30 seconds where he probably shouldn't have. But so, with the David Luiz red card is what we're talking about. Can we fault Luiz at all? Because he, to me, he's, he's the wrong side of William Jose. Arguably, he's, he should have been the other side of him. Is that as far as it goes? Or or did he, he, did, he did he make a mistake with a tackle, Ben? Uh, I think... You, you you can fault David Luiz to an extent because if you watch the build-up, he gets sucked in sort of towards the halfway line, well out of defence and leaves that gap for William Jose to run into. So I think there's definitely, you know, you can label that at him as poor defending. And there'll be people that want to label the whole thing as, you know, another David Luiz clown show or whatever. It's, you know, the things he's sort of become renowned for. But I think the second part, he's it's very difficult to level any sort of blame at David Luiz for running behind the striker having lost his man and the striker kicking him and going over. I think it's it's one of those that, yes, it's a definite penalty because he stopped a goal-scoring opportunity. Does he do anything to initiate the contact? Not really. And is it a red card? I've seen so many different variants of the law, you know, double jeopardy or accidental challenges or whatever. I think from what I can tell by the letter of the law, it's a red card, but that's the where the law I think is so fundamentally flawed. Yeah. I think, I think that's what I think fans we have a problem with because I think it's very hard to criticize Craig Pawson because as you said, by the letter of the law, his decision is correct, but the law itself is ridiculous. And there was no, WWE didn't make contact. They were both running forwards and the trailing leg of William Jose clips Luis's kneecap. Luis hasn't like lent into him or fallen over and pushed him over or anything that we've seen before. It's nothing like the Man City game last season where he's like lent in and fallen into his player. It's it's just a bizarre, bizarre rule. When I first saw it, I thought he didn't review it on the screen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When I first saw it, I thought immediately that's a penalty, potentially red card. Like I had flashbacks to the Chelsea game when it was Tammy Abraham, he knocked over. But um, then as much as I despise Mike Dean as a referee, you watch the Southampton game later and he had the similar incident with Martial and Bednarek and he goes and checks the screen. And I just think for Craig Pawson, it's just the, the general incompetence of as a referee to not at least go and check it. It's such a big decision. Like you've got, and from the VAR as well, to not tell him like, go and look at it on the monitor because it, like 
a decision like that, I'm sorry, but it, it needs to be checked. And I think this is where VAR is flawed, like not trying to say anything in particular, but I do think that we should have, um, like they have in rugby, um, everything should be mic'd up so you can hear the conversations they're having. Not, I know some people will say potentially it's rigged and that, which is obviously very big claims that um probably not true, but at the same time, you've... um you want to have complete transparency and also for us to gain an understanding of where they've got that decision from, because like that rule last night, they had BT sport had the, uh, the referee on the ex referee on. Yeah. And he's, apparently if, if David Louise slid in to try and get the ball, but just took out the man, he would have only got a yellow, but because he unintentionally clipped him, it's a red card because he's not made an attempt to get the ball. And I'm sorry, but if that's, like, where's this rule suddenly come from? Like, this is the first time we've heard of it, and it happened in two games back to back. It does, uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand how you, how you could, how if David Luiz went and snapped William Jose's legs in the box, he would have got booked. But because William Jose kicks David Luiz, <laughs> David Luiz gets sent off. It doesn't make sense. And then the 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 um, it's literally ironic because. The Man United one that happened straight after with Southampton, in in my opinion, that's a dive from Marshall. It shouldn't have been a foul. Marsh, and I don't know if you've seen the clip, but Bednarek walks off after being sent off and said Marshall said to him it wasn't even a foul. Yeah. So like the rule is just flawed, and I hope they can change that somehow because that's barely even a booking. It's definitely a penalty, but it's barely even a booking. Yeah. I, I, v- I VAR checked that Bednarek foul for a dive initially. Yeah. And then sent him over to the monitor to get him sent off. It's it's just a case of it's it, the red. I, I've always associated the red card with being you know the worst thing you can get in football. Four challenges like in the Southampton game, two minutes in the uh, yeah. groin height and diving in, or you know absolute horror challenges. But at this point, it's it's ridiculous. Anyone seems to be able to pick up a red card for the least infringement because it. Is from a tiny from a tiny bylaw that nobody really knows about, and VAR will uphold it because they feel they have to. Yeah, mm. I, I always thought the red like red cards. I did a refereeing course, and I always thought the red card was for dangerous or excessive force. And neither of those, like we'll talk about, it's an Arsenal podcast. We'll talk about the Louise one. That isn't a dangerous tackle because he didn't make contact, and there's absolutely no excessive force. So I cannot, I cannot understand where this rule has come from or who's written it up because that totally ruined our night. Not mm-hmm. in terms of fans or being angry at it because that should completely change the course of the game because you you take us down to 10 men, it's 1-1 and Wolves go into the second half with complete completely on top. With the extra man, they're level and now if anyone's getting there at home against 10 men and they can... Well, we saw it happen, didn't they? They scored early in the second half and that was game over. Mm. I mean, yeah. I don't have, you can't have any problems with their second goal. It's a wonder strike from Moutinho. Leno had no chance. I was just sat there like, oh my word, what a strike. I just like, like sat there with my hands on my head just going, yeah. I cannot believe you slapped that in the top bins like that. And you just got, you just got to hold your hands up. But then you saw Nuno brought on another defender and they went back to their back five and you're just like... Oh, Come on, man. We're not getting anything today, are we? It was, it was, mm. I know we had the half time break, but it was almost in the space of five minutes. We went from total dominance, yeah, to out of the game, and we couldn't do anything. 
anything about it. We, I was, I was very disappointed with Arteta's substitutions throughout the yeah. whole game, and I said, I said, I said that I thought Smith Rowe would come off because you have, especially at that Wolves traditionally, you don't break them down. I know they they revert to back four, but they you don't break Wolves down easily. And Smith Rowe was almost a spare man; he was he couldn't get those pockets, he couldn't do what he does, and he takes off our central striker. Like we, like you take away a striker, you have no, there's absolutely no like danger. You're, and mm. it's, that 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 baffled me. I don't know about yeah, you. I, I I agree entirely. I think taking off Lacazette meant that we we effectively conceded that we were going to be trying to hit them on the break, yeah. and it would require you know something brilliant from Saka or something brilliant from Pepe, which you know they're both capable of, but. They'd have to pick it up, sort of the edge of our box, run the whole length of the pitch. We can we lost our focal point, and with Smithrow being so so young in the in the team and having played so many minutes, I would have thought that he'd probably be the one to be sacrificed. You know, you can play with Lacazette holding the ball up for Saka and Pepe to run in behind, but in the end, all that happened was we clear the ball and it would come straight back. And you know, you never get to win a football match playing like that. It was it was a strange one, and I think every all the substitutions, apart from the Leno one, because obviously you had to bring on a spare goalkeeper. <laughs> the, the other one to bring off Pepe for Aubameyang, I think it was. That one confused me. Again, one. <laughs> you've just brought Aubameyang back from a personal matter, and then he's had to quarantine. He's been yeah. training probably like two or three days, and you bring him. It's just. I think the only saving grace was that William didn't come on. <laughs> the only positive from yesterday we can we can take from those substitutions. But again, there was a couple of decisions that completely baffled me. And once we went mm. two one down, I think we had to we had to get very lucky from a set piece or a mistake to get anything out of it. The Bamiang one confused me because with how we are and the, we were trying to hit them on the break. Yes, he's quick. Yes, he can finish goals. But Pepe's more of a ball carrier and he can take players on and go with it. Whereas Aubameyang's more, he'll run into space behind to finish or just running with space rather than his strongest point isn't taking players on. And that's really what we needed in that situation. Um, Pepe and Saka with maybe Aubameyang for Smith-Rowe or Lacazette staying on for Smith-Rowe. Like, that, that did just baffle me, really. I was, surprised, only... I was surprised Smithrow started considering how much he played. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have minded if he'd given Odegaard 60 minutes or tried something different in that just because the amount of minutes Smithrow played and the big games coming up. I'm sort of like, I, we've got, you look at our run of fixtures and it's a very tough run of fixtures and you want to make sure everyone's fit. I would, I would arrest Smithrow maybe for this one. Go on, ben. You were saying before I... I, I, I think Smith Rowe being arrested is a possible, definitely a possibility for Aston Villa. I think he looked very jaded even against Manchester United, and I don't think he had much influence on the game against Wolves. Although he is one of those players that you don't really notice having an influence. He's just very good at keeping everything sort of ticking over. Yeah. Um, but I think, as, as you say, the, the decision to bring on Aubameyang for Pepe is head-scratching, unless you look at it. And I, I think... It's one of those where you might look at it and say just managing minutes, you know, getting a Bamiang back on the pitch, getting some minutes in is 
under his belt before Villa. As I know it's a very negative way of looking at it, but the same with Lacazette, you know, he had that um, nasty fall against Manchester United. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that Arteta just thought we need Lacazette more than we need Smith Rowe because we don't have an Erdegaard level replacement behind Lacazette. True. But, I mean, it's a very negative way of looking at it, but if you're looking at it from a purely this game, we need to sort of, I don't know, take the point almost. Yeah. Not with, you know, at half time, if you're saying we need to take the point, you'd think Smith Rowe behind would make more sense, you know, working in the in the midfield space, closing down Neves and Moutinho, and sort of Lacazette isolating defenders. Uh, and then once Moutinho went down, and then Leno, I can't even explain it. There was no danger, and he just brushes out and comes off his arm and it's handball. Uh, again, I'm a bit confused as to why the VAR said it was denial for a goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, Traore was in, kind of, like, he was... It wasn't, like, centre of the pitch, was it? It was almost as if he was, sort of, right-hand side. It was a goal-scoring opportunity. It was an opportunity to have have a go at goal. I guess you could say it is a goal-scoring opportunity, but it wasn't a stonewall goal. Um, but there again, by the letter of the law, if you handle, if you're a goalkeeper, and you handle the ball outside the box, then then you're gone. So I, you can't really say anything about it. It just wasn't on right. He just had a moment. The ball came to him. He misjudged it. And like, I don't know what happened or what went through his head, but we we move on and we'll be without him for how many games? Is it two, two games? Back? I think it's just one. I think it's one. Think it's, okay. The type of offence it is, it's only warrants a one game ban, I think. So then we'll be without him. So hopefully, I mean, we, we hope and we pray Matt Ryan will be fit for Aston Villa um, but um, yeah we just ha- we just have to move on from today it was just a, a sorry yesterday it was just a bad game and um, thankfully for us we've got another game um, in a couple of days time so um, we can move on quickly and we've got the chance to to put things put things right that Villa game is really important now I think because you can look at this as a blip it's our first league loss couple of mistakes, a refereeing, a VAR, whatever it is, we still lost. So I think Villa and Leeds are crucial because our run, of form, our run after that is horrendous. Mm. Uh, I think you're right. I think Brian hopefully is back from his injury. I think, it's, I think I saw it was muscular. So hopefully we just give him a bit of a rest and get him back into training and go easy on him because... You can say Renarsson made a couple of good saves, but he still wasn't convincing. The saves you expect him to make as well. Yeah, against yeah, it's, it's, it, it wasn't like exceptional saves, like like the like the De Gea one from the Ward Prowse free kick, or it's from close range. You should expect him to make it for a experienced Arsenal goalkeeper. Um, I don't know. It's just it just doesn't convince me. I know he's played like twice for us or something silly like that. Mm, but even even in the Europa League fixtures, you know, he was playing against Dundalk, Mould, Rapid Vienna. He looked just completely out of his depth, even against those sort of sides. And you're talking about, you know, Irish League sides, Austrian League sides. Yeah. You don't the one the one chance he's had against a Premier League side, you know, you think the occasion probably got the better of him, and it was it was just abysmal. Um, that game the better, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the story of a lot of Arsenal games so far this season. Um, 
But yeah, I think Renarsson is someone who yeah doesn't inspire confidence. You know, he's not he's not going to come and claim the ball. He's not he's not really got the right physique to make you think, oh, he could be good. Like say someone like Matt Macy, he wasn't good, but at six foot seven, you always thought if a ball comes into the box, he's going to come win that ball and release some pressure. But Renarsson, I don't really know where he where he says his strengths are. I would like to have seen Macy get a chance, uh, but wasn't to be. Renarsson just doesn't fill me with confidence at all. He, he seemed to like look for reassurance at every opportunity. Yeah, and yeah. When he did do something wrong, he was getting shot. He's at 26, he's getting shouted at by a 20-year-old. It's like, it's, he shouldn't, he should be nowhere near Arsenal. Hmm. Um, and hopefully Matt Ryan, with at least some Premier League experience, gets in uh, at the weekend. Just a disappointing night overall. And we played we played really well for 46 minutes and then two two errors and a worldie have cost us three points. Yeah. Uh, Villa next, are we expecting anything? Are we expecting like a rebound, like coming out full of confidence and going and kind of maybe scoring two or three? Yeah, we hope so. Um, obviously, Emi Martinez facing his former side again. Um, we hope for a very different result compared to the one at the Emirates. Um, obviously, away from home near this time. So, I think we just need to tra- transpire what, what we did in the first 44 minutes against Wolves. We just need to do for 90. And um, there is obviously the, the massive threat of Jack Grealish and everything that he, he brings to that Aston Villa side and um, Barkley and Watkins are in and around that with John McGinn. But um, yeah, we just need to just focus. And I think if, if we play a strong side and we play like we did against in that first half, the first 44 minutes against Wolves, then yeah. we should win that game. It is a way that have been in relatively good form. They've got some very dangerous players. So we, we need to make sure we're up and sharp um mm. that's it for our walls review <laughs> i'm actually glad it's over because we can just put that game beyond us now um we'll be back soon we will do a transfer window review and we will do a villa preview uh so make sure you come back for those thank you for listening and goodbye Podcast Network.